But though his waking moments were still untroubled, he began to sleep badly, and when he slept to be the prey of vivid and terrible dreams from which he would awake in disordered panic. The recollection of these was vague, but always he had been pursued by something invisible and angry that had come in from the garden and was limping swiftly after him upstairs and along the passage at the end of which his room lay. Invariably, too, he just escaped into his room before the pursuer clutched him and banged his door, the crash of which in his dream awoke him. Then he would turn on the light and, despite himself, cast a glance at the door and the oblong of glass above it which gave light to this dark end of the passage, as if to be sure that nothing was looking through it. And once, upbraiding himself for his cowardice, he had gone to the door and opened it and turned on the light in the passage outside. But it was empty. By day he was master of himself, though he knew that his self-control was becoming a matter that demanded effort. Often and often, though still nothing was visible, he heard the limping steps on the terrace and along the weeded gravel path. But instead of becoming used to so harmless an hallucination, which seemed to usher in nothing further, he grew to fear it. But until a certain day it was only in the garden that he heard that step. July was now halfway through when a broiling morning was succeeded by a storm that raced up from the south. Thunder had been remotely muttering for an hour or two, and now, as he worked on the garden beds, the first large tepid drops of rain warned him that the downpour was imminent, and he had scarcely reached the door into the hall when it descended. The sluices of heaven were opened, and thick as a tropical tempest the rain splashed and steamed on the terrace. As he stood in the doorway he heard the limping step come slowly and unhurried through the deluge and up to the door where he stood. But he did not pause there. He felt something invisible push by him. He heard the steps limp across the hall within, and the door of the sitting-room where he had sat one morning in March and watched Raxton's tremulous signature traced on the paper swing open and close again. Ralph Hatchard stood steady as a rock, holding himself firmly in hand. "'So it's come into the house,' he said to himself. "'So it's come in. Ha! Out of the rain,' he added. But he knew, when that unseen presence had pushed by him to the door, that at that moment terror real and authentic had touched some inmost fibre of him. That touch had quitted him now, 